Hello and welcome to Divorce TV News. Uh, before we hit the news headlines, just going to let you know who we've got coming up. We have expert interview with Jonathan Burson who of Fearless Divorce and Jonathan is a divorce coach. He was also part of our uh, Divorce Financial Workshop the other week. We've got a shared story from coach Anne Helgren and a lovely healing with Una Archer who's also an expert with of parenting. Now, let's just whiz on and have a look at the news. So we're going to start with Sky News, Elliot Page, who files for divorce from wife of three years. The 33-year-old actor, uh, he filed for a contest, or they, sorry, filed for a, a contested divorce at Manhattan Supreme Court on Tuesday, legal records show. It comes three months after Portner, 26, expressed her support of Paige coming out as transgender. She wrote on social media in December, I'm so proud of at Elliot Page, trans, queer and non-binary people are a gift to this world. I also ask for patience and privacy, but that you join me in the fervent support of trans life every single day. Elliot's existence is a gift in itself, in and of itself. Shine on, sweet E, love you so much. Portner is a dancer and choreographer from Colorado, sorry, from Canada, excuse me. Paige was nominated for an Oscar for their role in the 2007 film Juno, excellent film by the way, and currently stars in the Netflix series Umbrella Academy. The couple announced they were getting married in January 2018 after meeting on Instagram. And with so much love and respect, it does bode well for a peaceful divorce. So let's hope so. Um, and if you know, if please add into the comments if you've had experience. There, there must be quite a few divorces happening, not because the couples don't get on, but because the circumstances, shall we say, have changed so dramatically that uh, they don't feel it's appropriate to stay married, but are still uh, loving and good friends. So if you've had experience of that, do please feel, she feel free to share. Next story from uh, the Mail Online. I did mention this one before, but I thought I'd bring it back. It, it brings us forward with the, an Instagram theme. Here we have Erica Jane begins selling bags on her Instagram amid financial woes following divorce from Tom Girardi. Uh, Erica, 49, helped advertise Lily and Bean luggage bags on, bags on her Instagram stories, which include uh, included a code for 15% off their items, the story just happens to put in. Despite the controversy, she and her ex have currently found themselves in, which I'll remind you of in a minute, Erica didn't let that show as she smiled widely inside her home, showing off her custom EJ luggage. The star looked every bit the influencer as she rolled the luggage around, wearing a pink tracksuit with her bright blonde hair styled down in loose waves. Last month, Erica and Tom were accused in a class action lawsuit of embezzling money meant for families who lost loved ones in the 2018 Lion Air plane crash and of having a sham divorce to protect their money. The lawsuit says that Tom and his law firm, Girardi Keys, are on the verge of a financial collapse and locked in a downward spiral of mounting debts and dwindling funds, and allegedly owe tens of millions of dollars to clients, co-counsel and others. So maybe their lawyers aren't going to get paid. Uh, so have you resorted to being an influencer in order to fund your divorce via Instagram? I guess it do what you have to do. Um, finally, we go to another Mail Online story. 
And this is a BBC Boss 57. She's on £160,000. Well, no, sorry, she's not. £160,000. Yeah, start again. She is on £160,000. It's just such a large sum. I can't get my head around it. Loses divorce court battle to slash her unemployed ex-husband's share of their £2 million pound fortune now this story is for for all the men who go oh it's never fair it always they're always the ones who pay out the most well this is a it's the other way around okay tessa finch who founded the one show and has earned one hundred and sixty thousand pounds a year as head of development at the corporation separated from barry baker between 2012 and 2013 London's Civil Appeal Court heard that former journalist Mr Baker, 69, had not worked for some time and had run up £66,000 worth of debts, while Miss Finch accumulated a substantial BBC pension valued by a court at £2 million. During the divorce proceedings, Mr Baker was awarded a £733,650 sum of the couple's assets and was even handed a one-third share of Miss Finch's pension. Though Miss Finch, 57, retained £1.58 million in assets and two-thirds of her pension, she decided to challenge the size of the payout in the Court of Appeal. Her lawyers told Lord Justice Moylan that Mr Baker had made a significantly negative contribution to the family fortune during the marriage and claimed he should not have got the payout that he did. But Lord Justice Moylan, sitting with Lord Justice Lewison and Lord Justice Noogie, today threw out the challenge, upholding an earlier ruling that the £733,650 and pension share would meet Mr Baker's needs. Now remember that word. Once Judge Watkins had determined that conduct was not a relevant issue, take note, the determinative principle in this case was that of needs, not sharing. It is clear that the assets were no more than sufficient to meet the financial needs of the parties and the children. The judge can be seen to have considered the wife's housing and income needs and determined that she would have sufficient resources to meet them, he concluded. So, as I said, don't say it only happens to the guys. Um, and it's the needs that they look at. So they obviously looked at it and thought, well, she's got enough. So there was no reason to give him, him less. Um, and they don't, you know, the fact that he didn't contribute much financially is pretty much it doesn't mean anything and I think that's something that people get quite hung up on early on so there you go watch uh, it, it works the same for you even if you haven't got that kind of annual salary now we're going to move on to our expert interview with Jonathan Burson Jonathan's a divorce coach from uh, Fearless Divorce is his company and let's get ready to meet him Welcome, Jonathan. Lovely to have you on the show again. Hi, Susie. Nice to be here. Good. I can hear you. That's good. And uh, we, we, you were going to, you wanted to go into a particular area today because you were uh, on our divorce financial workshop recently with a, a wonderful bunch of people. Most of them are in the secret divorce group, so I hope you'll be popping in to say hello to them. And some something came up quite a bit during that workshop, didn't it? That you wanted to sort of draw out and talk about with everyone today. Yeah, and I think it's it's something that we don't touch on as much as we should. And it was got highlighted by um, one of your attendees at the workshop about how she reacts to the way uh, her husband um, uh, it communicates with her. And it, it's something that we all face, and I've certainly faced going through my, my own divorce, we all face it in actually many relationships, is, is around this whole thing around emotional triggers. And partners and ex-partners are particularly good at 
knowing what buttons to press to get a, an emotional reaction from each of us. And therefore, what happens from that is that we react in a particular way. And particularly if you're in a divorce scenario, that can often lead to anger, frustration, angst, and it can eat away at us. Uh, and what does that mean? It means that we invariably clouds what we do in the divorce process and can actually lead us to being more antagonistic and actually it prolonging the whole divorce process to try and sort of get our own back or, or actually take no action whatsoever. Um, and it's one of those things working with, with clients. It's an element of, of actually getting clients to understand what are those emotional triggers, the things that are going to fire us and get that fire in the belly. Uh, I would say it's still a work in progress for me as well in that sense of what are those things that are going to get, get us <laughs> riled <laughs> and, um, and, and almost to try and manage those to, so that you can come, you can take that step back. And I'll talk a little bit more about that in a moment. But that's that's the, that's the, one of the key areas, I think, that we, we, we need to work on because you've heard me say this many times. Um, divorce is a is a business transaction with a lot of emotional noise around it and if we can turn down the volume of that emotional noise and the impact of some of that emotional noise it'll allow us to move through the divorce process in a somewhat smoother way recognizing there'll always be the roller coaster of it but it it'll allow us to move it with a much more pragmatic and a hopefully positive mindset moving forward but I like that idea of, the, of, of becoming conscious of those triggers because most people, they, they know it happens, but they've never really had someone of, who can help them analyse it. And for, and this is just for you, every day, everybody has this. This isn't because you've got a, a narcissistic or difficult ex. This is just normal life going through a divorce because nobody's, you know, we, we, we've spent years practising in, in marriages and relationships how to, to do this, but we're so unconscious of it. So I like that idea that you make it um, tangible, that they can be aware of it. And then how does that then actively support the, the rest of the work that you do? Because I guess you've kind of got to do that early on, haven't you, in order to do the rest of the work that you do with them? Idea, in an ideal scenario, you do it as early as you can in the, in the divorce process or just as you're heading into it. But that doesn't mean you can't sort those things out as you go through the divorce process and sort of turn over a little bit of a, of a, of a new leaf. And if you can start to identify what are those buttons that naturally trigger a reaction, what are the words that somebody says, what are the phrases that they use, what are the characteristics that they always throw at you, you're this, you're that, the or the other. Uh, and then there's probably a, um, the tone associated with it and also the what are the third party people that will often be so and so says this about you as a way of winding winding you up and if you start to understand what those things are then that allows you then to label them um, and as they appear to start to put into place um, situations that allow you to, to, to manage them much more effectively and as a result of that you can start to take that step back and almost get that sort of helicopter view um, of looking in in on you as opposed to being embroiled in it, sucked into it, um, and, and it allowing to eat at you. So you can take that step, step back. It's, it's not easy, I fully appreciate that. And it is a constant uh, piece of work that you know you need to, to work on and reinforce it. But if you can manage that, then it allows you to get much more clarity in terms of how you think and how you can progress the decisions and the interactions that you need to make with your ex or via the solicitor as opposed to being dragged down the emotional route and being emotionally charged which 
in many cases is not the best route for, for any party to get to something and get to a conclusion within the divorce process. Especially if they're, um, uh, they're say, DIY or self-managing, which more and more people are doing, where they, they'll use the solicitors for the bits they need them for. and But basically they're often on their own dealing with a lot of information and stress so if if someone was to work with you and get hold of those triggers a they're going to be a lot more effective um but what else would they be doing with you then once you've kind of got them in ship shape on that front or on on, on track shall we say yeah absolutely so i i talk about the four c's of, of going through the divorce process of having confidence and this is part of building that confidence within your own mindset and building that strength of mindset and resilience that will help you navigate the divorce process because by nature the the divorce process will um, try and throw you off the particular path you want to go down and sometimes you've got to go off that path to come back on it again um, so building that confidence getting clarity on what you want life to look like after divorce what you want life like to look like um, or, or from you what you want from the divorce process so get be really clear on what that ask is that you want then gaining control of it so that's gaining control of the relationships that you have both with your ex with the solicitor with um, family and friends and control over the negotiations as well because um, the negotiations is often a sort of game play of you do this you do that I'll do this you do that and actually there is many of the negotiation techniques that are applied in business are very applicable to the divorce process um, and again using that sort of a, 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 the emotional frameworks that sit around um, the negotiation techniques allow you then to hopefully get down the right path to get an outcome that you want rather than being pushed to roll on your back and have your tummy rubbed and then the fourth element then is 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 about commitment is about commitment to taking action what are the plans what are the steps that you need to take that move you forward now it may be only just shuffling your feet along the floor just to take that extra shuffle and move you forward but the more the more you take the closer you get to the end goal of finishing this divorce because you know a divorce can take you as long as it needs to take to complete and sometimes the benefits of slowing it down sometimes the benefits of speeding it up but you don't want to go into this position of inertia you want to move forward to get to the out the outcome so that you can start to live a life that you want to lead after divorce it may not be the life you originally planned to have because of you know with all best endeavors we you know you marry for the right reasons but now life has thrown this card at you and um, you, you have to make the best of life beyond it. So, you know, it's about having confidence, clarity, control and commitment so that you can come out and use the divorce process as a catalyst for positive change in, in, in your life um, and, and, and come out the other side much stronger, much more resilient and, and ready to enjoy it. And what, certainly one of the things I, I picked up with what you're saying that I think is so important with coaching is the is that when you're saying about looking forwards what do you want out of the divorce because until you it's no point sitting down with a financial planner who's going to ask you hey you know where do you want to be after this because you can't plan just the divorce it's, it's the rest of your life you're actually planning you you if you're just completely numb and stuck going around in a circle with where you are which often is the case so I always think that coaching is such a powerful tool to help people actually get excited about the future do you find that people once they start the process they go from overwhelm you help them get out of overwhelm and then everything starts yeah. to change absolutely Susie and I think that, that what seems odd at the time of saying to somebody I want you to look at your future beyond divorce is so whoa hang fire I can't even cope with my own divorce let alone worry about what my future looks like and I like that looks scary in the distance but 
if you start to build that picture of what you would like it to look like and who you want to be as that individual post-divorce, that allows you to create, you can start to see that light at the end of the tunnel as you go through the divorce, divorce process and it provides a greater clarity as to the outcome you want to lead. And so therefore you start to gild this process of, oh actually life maybe not as bad as I think it's going to be. And you, and you have that almost um, that, that it's, it's quite sort of slight slap in the face of oh hang on it's jarred me into something different that I wasn't quite expecting because actually I was in this having this bucket of overwhelm I don't know where to go don't know what to do but actually focusing on something else actually jars me to, to, to see the world differently and that allows me then to come back to say okay maybe the things aren't quite as overwhelming as I thought they were and I can start to inch forward to get to making that to the light at the end of the tunnel much brighter and, and, and actually bigger and I can get to that light at, at some point in the future. And just to finish on, uh, for those people who've never experienced coaching, they've never used a business coach, for example, they have no concept of it, um, I, I think they probably would be deducing from what you're saying that it's, it's, it, it's helpful in many ways. But would you say that one of the key ways is um, accountability? So, for example, if you're going to go and diet or start running if you try and do it all on your own it, for most of us normal human beings it doesn't work you need a buddy you need somebody uh, or join a club that's just, that's just normal hu human humanity and getting divorced with so many things to manage especially if you're trying to save thousands of pounds and, and self-manage it then it's a good investment isn't it to have someone to help you say a little bit about the accountability yeah, so that's it. that's a really good point. Um, one of you're absolutely right on that is that when I work with clients over a prolonged period, we offer the support in between those coaching sessions, and whether it's a gentle nudge on the on a text message, whether it's an email, or whether it's just a check in week on week to say, are you moving forward with your actions? Just that you've got somebody gently prodding you to to take that action and move forward because coaching is around is all about moving forward it's not a reflection on and looking on looking back it's about solutions and moving forward and and most of us have there are all, well actually we all have the resources within it to make it to, to to change our lives and a coach is there just to help that person become stronger much more resilient and pull it out of them and just be alongside them you know almost the the helping hand, that accountability partner, to, to guide them through that process to come out the other the other side. Now, it comes back to somebody's got to want to take the action. If they don't want to take the action, then you know you can have anybody helping you, and it's still not going to make a blind bit of difference. But for most people, they want that support. They want that somebody alongside them. Just give me a you know a little gentle nag, or you know at, at, at whatever's right for them, uh, so that they they do move they do move forward and they take that action and come out the other side. So absolutely accountability is, is, is really important because where else do you turn? A friend, a family, they've got mm. their own lives to lead and, and solicitors are great, but that's not the role they play either. Um, yeah. And nor, nor have they got the experience to do that. So, you know, they, and they won't want to play that role. So yeah. having, working with a, with, a, with a coach can help, that, help somebody move through that process um, in, a, in a much more pragmatic way and, and help nurture a movement forward. Which, in my experience, often reduces the costs overall of a divorce because often it's the messing around, not getting things done, increased heightened emotions. That's actually what is the root cause of a lot of the cost. Lovely to have you on again, uh, Jonathan, and I hope to see you again soon. Thank you very much. See you soon. Thanks, Susie. So thank you, Jonathan. That was brilliant. And um, if you want to see more of Jonathan or talk to him, 
download the app there'll be the QR code popping up soon and he's in our uh, secret divorce group where you can get 30 days free and come and check out lots of good things so just very quick masterclass because we always like to do a bit of learning and then we will move on to our shared story So today uh, we're still on setting the compass and in setting the compass A is for accept. Now you might think what's accepting got to do with divorce so let me give you a few thoughts to, to think about. So you're angry, maybe he's left you or she's left you, you've moved in with someone else, they don't seem to acknowledge the pain you're in. Um, you, This, as I was just saying with Jonathan, this can fuel a nasty divorce because quite rightly you're hurt and you're angry but you do need to accept that that has happened instead of going round and round in your head going why and this is terrible and I don't know it's really hard I've been there so I know how easy it is to go round it's like a broken record so and I have to say that's also one of the reasons uh, coaches are so useful is they can go right what do you want to do now where are you heading for so but that that process of acceptance is that is important it's not just you just jump from where you are now to oh I'm now looking into the future and everything's fine you, it's an um, uh, emotional psychological process that you're going through uh, something which which our, our last uh, guest uh, Una will have I'm sure a few quite a few things to say on other areas are you know you might say I'm too angry to do mediation and that's good to accept that truth because when you accept it and stop making excuses about he or she won't do it but actually it's you who just don't want to accept it and then you can do something about it because there's a lot you can do about it you can deal with that anger you can deal with that rage um, whether it's using healing or coaching or counseling there's lots of different ways to sort that out because you need to anyway especially if you're a parent you can't go around being an angry parent you're gonna make your life's kid the kids lives hell if you do uh, also another thing I found I had to uh, accept as we all do at times is sometimes for the best will in your the the world your family and your friends can't are not able to support you in the way you actually need at that time which is why uh, I tell everyone about specialized help because it is quite a specialized area um, that level of help that we all need when we're going through this so just making that acceptance and not feeling that you've been you know left astray and people don't care it's just they they don't have the skill sets and the ability to help you because your needs are are quite particular at this stage and but luckily there are plenty of people who can but you're not going to seek them out until you make that acceptance in yourself and understand this is where I am and finally my one of the phrases that helps me daily never by when I'm going through a difficult thing like family separation is do I want to be right or do I want to be happy it's a big difference and uh, I can be quite stubborn and sometimes when I stop to say that to myself do I want to be right or do I want to be happy it's amazing how I find a, so a solution to that situation that conflict so much more easily so it's a good little trick I'd uh, I recommend you try it out and uh, just before we move on to the shared story remind you about the free app which is currently having a facelift so it should look quite pretty soon uh, download it best way to divorce and you can find it on Apple and also on um, Google and 
uh, yeah just so you know if you come into the app there's supposed to be a pop-up video I think I'm saying something to you in it but the most important thing really is the free welcome pack it's got some great co-parenting resources and other good things you know for access to free divorce forms that kind of thing so if you haven't already got that and you're in a divorce situation or you know someone who is just share the app with them now let's get ready for our shared story And today I'm welcoming the lovely Anne, Anne Helgren. And Anne, you are also a coach, aren't you? And you're going to share a story because you, you came, like a lot of us, you came to be doing what you're doing um, through your own life experiences. Is that right? Yes, that's correct. Uh, first of all, thank you for having me, Susie. Uh, lovely being on here. And um, yeah, so you're exactly right. I, uh, I'll just take you back a uh, bit to where my divorce actually started what kind of triggered it off so it was on the 29th of april i won't forget that and <laughs> i was driving back home from a family event and um long story short the marriage that i was in was quite a controlling marriage and uh one of the things that was required of me was to be home at a certain time i'd passed that curfew that was placed on me by my ex-husband and I was driving home, really, really nervous. Anyway, got back home, got into a huge argument. And long story short, it basically signaled the end of my marriage. And what was, um, I think, noth worth noting is that my we had two kids. Oh, we still have two kids together. My daughter then was four. And my uh, our son was, uh, our children, um, our son was four months old. So... Um, still very young you know still dealing with all the emotional aspect that comes with having a young baby and the sleepless nights and everything so it made a difficult process such as a divorce even that much more difficult but i i uh so when we went through this whole process of deciding we we're going to separate we knew it wasn't working it had been a long time coming it was just about okay we just need to make this official and so I found myself obviously being on maternity leave with a lot of time to think about uh, everything that was going on, about my marriage, my relationship, how long I'd been unhappy in that relationship, why I stayed for as long as I did in that relationship, and just questioning a lot of things about myself. And so what happened was, is I, I came to um, a realization after doing a lot of work on myself. So I worked with coaches, with therapists, and did a lot of uh, other kind of training and self-help stuff. And so I discovered I had a pattern in my life um, of doing two things. Uh, the first one was attracting unhealthy, unhappy relationships. Um, you know, the kind of people you think I shouldn't be with them. I know deep inside I shouldn't be with them. But somehow it's like moth to a flame. <laughs> Keep getting that's a, sucked that's into a, That's a good analogy. <laughs> <laughs> into that relationship and wondering what am I doing here? And then the other bad thing that I continued to that I was doing previously as well is I would then stay in this dysfunctional relationship for much longer than I knew again I should have so um, you know despite the fact that my son was so young I think the timing came as a blessing in disguise because I had time to kind of sit back and think about you know what was going on with me 
And what I discovered is that, uh, which is quite painful <laughs> to discover, given I was working as a coach, and uh, I guess also takes courage for me to see at that point, is that I had a lot of limiting beliefs about myself that I needed to work on. And, um, you know, I see this with my clients as well when I work as a relationship coach in the, the fact where if you're attracting the wrong kind of people constantly or you're staying in a relationship that you know you should have left a long time ago, there's confidence issues going on, there's limiting beliefs about yourself, the world, society, etc. So that was one thing. The other thing I realized is that I lost myself in this marriage. Um, I think quite a few people can identify with that as well. You know, you, you kind of form a, an identity with your partner and sometimes, uh, and I think without being sexist or generalizing, I feel like sometimes from my experience and my client's experience, women tend to go through this more so than men. Because Probably because the children, families. I think. Yeah, exactly. I think that, that, you start creating so it's, it's, families. Yes. And then you have this role of being a mother as well. And all your priorities get put on a back burner until they're this age or that age and that age. And to be fair, I don't think there's anything particularly wrong with that. Um, I know where I'm not resentful at all for putting my career or anything on hold for my children. You know, I'll do it a hundred times over. But it's just something to acknowledge that your identity can get lost um, so it was really about finding who I am again and finding that self-clarity. The third one was about communication. You know, when you're in a relationship, you, we always talk about, you know, how do you communicate with your partner? You know, are you communicating passive aggressively and so on? But for me, it was also, what are, how am I communicating to myself? What am I saying about me to myself? And how is that then going on to affect my confidence, my limiting beliefs? And that for me was huge because I had a lot of negative things to say about myself, unfortunately. And if you don't get those sorted, you're not going to be able to work on the relationship communication, are you? So how did you transition because mm -hmm. you as a co-parenting mm -hmm. um, with all of that? You did you did all this work on yourself, which yes. is key. Good for you. <laughs> Cause you're not going to get anywhere unless you do that. That's amazing, and um, so and you loved it so much. You became a, a relationship coach yourself. What? How yeah. did you? Uh, what? Is there anything you can share from your story, in particular, that you did as a co-parent that came out of the work that you did on yourself, um, and the kind of work you also now do with others that made um, a positive difference to to that co-parenting relationship? Because that's key at the end of the day. Yes, it is. Um, and I think the communication aspect was huge. Um, and it was understanding how we both communicate as individuals, so understanding personality styles. And it doesn't need to be as complicated as doing, you know, MBTI or whatever it is, but just, you know, taking time to realize your triggers. What is it that really annoys you? And why do you react the way you do? Is it something a bit deeper than just what they're saying to you? Or is it, are you being triggered by something that was there long before this person came into my life? And I, I was definitely being triggered by a lot of stuff from my own childhood. So things that were said to me and I struggled with any kind of criticism around certain areas. So in terms of like what I can share um, in that whole co-parenting space is the communication. What is triggering you to react negatively, but also from a positive perspective, if you've lived with this person and you've been with a particular person for long enough, 
you know their personality style, or at least would like to hope, <laughs> we would know their personality style well enough to know how they want to be communicated to. And so what I mean by this is, for example, if someone is quite introverted, not quick to share their feelings, and they want to shut down at some point, perhaps don't keep pushing it, just let them be for a minute. And let, uh, kind of, I mean, accepting people's personality styles, even if it's different from yours and you're struggling. And, you know, so for example, I, I do not like the silent treatment. And my ex was very good at that. And it would wind me up even more. And then I would provoke things even more. So yeah. I realized, okay, that's his style. I'm going to respect it as much as it might annoy me. And it's not me. And I don't get it. But that's okay. Because he. Because you asked yourself. I can I can uh, resonate with that, and what I found the trick I have, uh, mm -hmm. and always the trouble is remembering to do it, is yeah. saying, yeah. as you were saying earlier, why am I triggered? Why does this trigger me? Why does it bother me? Because if yes. yeah, if I could get to a place where this doesn't bother me, and brings us back to what Jonathan was saying earlier about triggers, if you can learn to do that for yourself, that's it's when it when I remember to do it, it's amazing. Everything changes. Um, and, yeah. and I guess is that a lot of the work that you do with, with people is helping them become aware of their triggers and then work out how how to deal with that in the moment and to and to make those changes. Exactly. And yeah. I think a good tip for that as well, if you struggle with it, I struggled with, with it as well, is just stepping back a minute and asking myself, am I at my highest self at this point? And it's so hard. I know it's always easier said than done. But if you, am I coming... To, to this place, to this argument, to this emotion, to this reaction at my highest place? Or is this a, and what are my intentions? And just taking mm. a moment to stop and ask yourself, what is your intention? And am I coming at this from my highest place possible? And if the reason is no, uh, then just, I, I, I tell my clients, just take a moment to stop and think about what is your highest place? And how can you get there mentally so that when you then approach the situation again, your intentions are being met? Mm. Yes, that's absolutely true. It's, it's all about where are you, where are mm. you coming from? And yes. I think the saddest thing, uh, just to, to round off, share, in my own experience, because I often um, don't, like most people, fail miserably. <laughs> I know the theory, <laughs> but don't always put it in yes. action. But is afterwards I say to myself, and not to beat myself up, I go, where where was the love in that? Where was mm. the love in? And I mean yeah. that in the broadest sense, um, yeah. because that is yeah, that is your higher self. And I think that's a lovely phrase. I, I like that one. I'm gonna I'm gonna use that one yeah. next time. I'm going <laughs> brilliant. Thank you so much, Anne, for coming on. And uh, please do um, in the comments of all the different platforms that I'll send you links to. Please put information about where people can find out more because I'm sure someone would love to. Lovely to have you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Susie. Bye bye. Thank you. Bye. And uh, rounding up now before we come to our healing. Thank you, Erica, by the way. Lovely to see you. We must get you back on the show. I hope you're booked in. If not, uh, remind me and I'll send you the link. Um, Erica saying, great to hear from Jonathan. And coaches are key. Erica, uh, she's doing all kinds of exciting things now, but she's also, she's a very, been a very experienced mediator and also lawyer. And it's great to hear you uh, giving the, the, the up for the coaches. It's amazing how many... Um, I don't know how much it is so in the States, but certainly here in the UK there's still a lot of lawyers and, and mediators who don't really understand what coaches do, which is 
so sad because they're so key to helping make the mediations work better. But uh, I think we're helping to change that. And Hadim Dar says, divorce is not alternative. I'm not sure what you mean by that, but thank you for commenting. Uh, all comments are welcome. Um, it could mean that uh, it's it's yeah that you don't see divorce as an option. Um, I have to agree, disagree with that one because the the law says you can divorce, but also it's uh, there are lots of very good alternatives to the way you do it. And I hope that all those who do that do check out mediation, collaborative law, and even arbitration. Do not throw yourself into court if you don't need to. Uh, just I had these up last week. There's been a few more since then. Some lovely uh, words said by um, attendees of the Divorce Financial Workshop. And uh, again, I hope to be doing some in the US at some point. So now prepare for the healing. And we now have the lovely Una. Can you hear me, Una? Hi, Susie. Excellent. I can. Can you hear me? I can. I've turned the volume up a little bit because you've got such a lovely, quiet voice. Um, so, what are you, uh, I was, is, in, for those who haven't met you before, you're um, parenting after separation. You're an expert in that area. But you're very holistic. You're not here to talk about parenting. You're about to do something lovely with us. So we feel all grounded, aren't, aren't we, at the end. But just before we do that, just say a little bit about the work that you do and how you use what you're going to be doing with us, how, we, how it can be useful to us as, as co-parents. Mm -hmm. So uh, my core training is in supporting secure attachment and parent-child relationships. And that's the angle that, you know, any issue that parents come with can be behaviour issue, anxiety, difficult situation. All we see sort of you know, when you ask what kind of question am I asking myself? So the question that I'm asking myself and my clients is how can we use the situation to strengthen your connection, strengthen your relationship? And so that that is the container in, in which we work. And tonight I'll be guiding you through a relaxation and it, it is directly linked to what I do because from if I had to choose one parenting skills skill from you know big toolkit that I have, I would say I would just go for emotional emotional regulation. Because, you know, in those moments when we parent not and how we really want to, it's not because we don't want to, not because we don't know how. It's just because the emotions take over in that moment. So by practicing yoga, mindfulness, running, you know, anything that helps you just come back regular to a grounded place, you are doing yourself and your children an enormous service. Or something like the relaxation that we'll be doing tonight. So I, I, I look back on when I had my, my, the three little ones were little, I... I the thought of meditating was just I mean I meditate every day now but it was just completely bizarre to me and and I didn't do anything like that and how much less stressed I would have been if I had so I, it's lo I love love hear you hearing you talk like this so we're going to move forward mm -hmm. and um, so people uh, prepare yourselves and I shall give Una the floor. I invite you to 
start this practice by making yourself comfortable. If you're sitting down, just have a wiggle and a shuffle to find a comfortable position for your body. And you might want to choose your eyes. Keep your eyes open or closed. And draw your focus to your breath. Simply notice the air flowing in and flowing out. There's no need to change anything. Simply notice. As you follow your breath, notice the short pauses in between each inhale and exhale, where the breath seems to slow down and linger. Notice the stillness in those pauses and at the same time how much can happen in that stillness. And now notice what is happening in your body right now. places or tight places and again there's no need to fix it or make it go away. Make yourself available to be with whatever's happening in your body right now. And now that you're feeling more present in your body, more grounded in your being, connected with your heart, Visualize your child in front of you. And if you have more than one, just 
just go with the elders. You can always come back and re-listen to it if you want to repeat this relaxation, focusing on your other children. As you visualize a child in front of you, notice what's it like for you to be in their company. Notice what you appreciate about your child. their unique qualities, their quirks, those little things that they do that make them who they are, their unique selves. you become aware of their qualities, become aware of your heart again, what's happening there, you might notice the love for your child filling up your heart and spilling into the rest of your body. Feeling over your body, filling up the room that you're in. And flowing into the other rooms and filling up every corner of your home. breathing again and visualize that with each inhale you inhale that love and with each exhale you exhale love and just swimming in love. see yourself and your child going through the day surrounded with your love you might see the two of you getting up in the morning and getting ready for a day for your day She's 
sharing a meal. Spending time outdoors together. Notice how it feels. How it feels in your body, how it feels in your heart. And if you want to stay connected with that feeling, just remember it. Keep it close to your heart. And as we prepare to bring this practice to a close, thank you child for coming to join you let them go and become aware of the whole of your body again. Notice what's happening in your body. Take a few more comfortable breaths. Allow your eyes to slowly open if you have them closed and come back into the room and notice how you feel. So that's that's it, Susie. Back to you. Oh, thank you. And just so you all know, because you're probably thinking, some of you, I'd like to do that again, uh, maybe when it's even quieter and more private. The, I, this By tomorrow morning, this should all be in the Divorce TV part uh, in, the, in the app, so you could literally find it. And um, if you didn't want to watch everything else again, you can whiz through, and I do this often, go through to the end and uh, listen to the meditations. And just imagine, imagine that you were doing that in the shed or some of the back end of the garden or wherever you could find a space before changing over the children um doing the parental changeover as it were and and if you just spent that 10 minutes and up that's your homework if you've got not the not the best swap overs going on you don't really enjoy it try doing that and just see what happens and uh and share it with us next week Thank you very much, Una. That was absolutely lovely. So, in the war of divorce, on the battlefield of family separation, always, always make peace your weapon of choice. <laughs>